Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Hope St. Amant. Hope is a best-selling author of Shoot for the Moon. She's also a professional speaker and founder of Signature Strategies, a comprehensive business growth strategy for entrepreneurs and mid-sized companies. It focuses on leveraging sales styles to capture more clients, grow your business, and increase your market share. I'm so excited to have Hope on. I've met her in person. She's a dynamic and terrific female. Welcome to the show, Hope. Well, thank you, Janice. Hello, how are you? I'm doing terrific. Thank you. I like to have our guests get started by telling a little bit about themselves. Can you start off with that, Hope? Certainly. Um, golly, there's so much to tell. I I um, have spent, the, I guess, the last 25 years going on 30 years as a uh, sales and market development leader for Fortune 500 companies, the last 10 years of which was with Wells Fargo. It's primarily been focused in the financial industry, so I've gone through a few uh, market changes in in my career, and I would say probably my biggest success in all of that I've done throughout my career is uh, growing successful sales careers and working and mentoring with people, and that's one of the things that I just really truly found to be my greatest success and the love of my life. So how long did it take you to find that love and mentoring? I mean, you went from mm. you know, more of the business aspect than to mentoring. How did you make that transition, Hope? You know, I made the transition when I transitioned from commercial real estate lending to mortgage banking. That's when I really started connecting with the actual salespeople. And it was just really interesting because in commercial real estate lending, I never considered myself to be a sales. And because I was the person that they came to for the money. So I built, you know, high rises and office buildings and hotels. And I was always in a boardroom full of attorneys. And when I transitioned uh, my business from commercial real estate lending to mortgage banking, that's when I started leading people and finding out that not everybody in these corporate environments is taking a personal interest in uh, the individuals that are working for them. And when I started doing that, I started taking people who had been in the business for 10, 20 years and uh, elevating them to management level and something that they hadn't been able to attend in any other organization. And that's what I found that was that was my calling. That's what I really enjoyed doing. And that's what you're doing currently is mentoring people. So, so you decided that just by observation and looking at the people that you were working with in mortgage banking that they weren't taking a personal interest in, in their employees? Is that what you're saying? Yes, and what I noticed was is that when you're managing sales teams, everybody has a different personality. Everybody right. has a different approach. And trying to, you know, impact or import a, a one-size-fits-all for an entire sales team of 20 or 30 people, it's not going to work. So you're going to have the 80-20 rule, which is going to be, you know, 20% of the people are going to be performing at the high level, and that kind of leaves mm -hmm. the 80% that are flying below the radar. And when I shifted that to really engaging in what their sales strengths were and leveraging that sales strength to achieve the same goal 
and maybe even exceed goal using their own sales strength, that's when I was able to dispel the 80-20 rule by having more and more of my sales team achieving and achieving goals at, at a much higher level. Well, that's a great realization, too. I know just from personal experience, there's a lot of employees that you hire, and I've heard that 80-20 rule. So you've been helping to mentor to, so you can hire more of the 20% rather than having the 80% fall below? Uh, it's actually transforming that 80% into the 20% into oh. the upper level by taking their sales strengths. In other words, not everyone is going to be that outgoing individual that can walk in a room and capture business. There are people that are more introspective. There are people that are thinkers. There are people that are, you know, that just have a different approach to their business. And when you take, you find what that strength is and really start leveraging that in the way that they approach their business and their clients, all of a sudden they're attaining the same level of achievement and success. Right. That sounds like the rewarding part right there. Mm-hmm. So how did you transition into being an author then? What inspired you to write Shoot for the Moon? I will tell you, after 25 years as a sales and market development leader, um, the company I was with uh, most recently had gone through corporate consolidation. They had consolidated several markets in California. My market was one of them. And uh, so I found myself in this crossroads. And one of the things that I kept thinking about in the midst of all of this was, you know, a Joseph Campbell quote that says, we must be willing to leave the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. So at that juncture, at the, in the midst of the corporate consolidation, I decided to opt out of the life that I had planned and opt into the life that was waiting for me, and that was the that was the inspiration to write Shoot for the Moon. Oh, I love that. I, so that was your crossroads, right? Say that quote again, and and who the Certainly. quote was from? I loved it. Absolutely. So it's um, renowned author and philosopher Joseph Campbell is quoted as saying that we must be willing to leave the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. I think that's really powerful. A lot of us get into kind of rolling with it and, you know, kind of what we had planned, and then all of a sudden, like in your situation, a consolidation kind of made you force yourself to make a new path for yourself. Exactly. It's kind of like, you know, when you know when the rug gets pulled up from under you, right? I mean, I could have done this for another 15, 20 years. And what and and when this happened, I had to take a step back. I mean, I've always been a student of philosophy. I've always been a student of, of you know, making sure that I'm paying attention to the bigger picture. And when this occurred to me, I I had to take a step back. I said, there's a big, there's something bigger going on here. This is something bigger than the corporate consolidation happening here. There's something else that you that you've been wanting to do, and something that you've been calling towards yourself. And and this is just the time for you to do this. This was the time. And I knew it, you know, I knew it in my bones. You know? mm-hmm. I knew it in my bones that there was something else for me to do. Was it a happy time? I mean, I know that's simplistic, um, or was it really yeah, a soul-searching sure. time? It was a soul-searching time. It was a challenging time because, you know, we want to stay with what is familiar, right, that what is predictable right. and familiar. And, you know, that the whole change thing, you know, is something that you know, that we get, you know, a little bit caught up in. And, and, and understandably so. I mean, who wants to go and venture off, you know, into a whole new realm of the unknown, right? Because writing the book and moving into this entrepreneurial environment is, is completely unknown to me. 
And so it was a, it was challenging and exciting. I mean, I started to feel and see a, a personality or a part of myself that had been dormant for a very, very long time. So that was the exciting part. The challenging part was not wanting to run back to safety, you know, which is that which is familiar and predictable. A lot of us do want to run back to safety. That's a great way to put it, too. I've been reading about your book, um, Shoot for the Moon. It says, it's a thought-provoking and highly inspiring call to action for her readers in redefining their core values, overcoming self-imposed limitation, and reclaiming ownership as the hero of their own story. I really like that a lot. Can you elaborate more on your book and kind of Certainly. how you approached um, you it? Know, right. So I'm at some level, Janice, this was, this was a very long letter to myself to remind myself what does define me, you know, because when you, you know, leave a career of 25 years, especially in a Fortune 500 corporate environment, you think that your job does define you. So if I'm not my job, what does define me? So I started, you know, actually looking into that and, and paying attention to it. And in the journey through the book, I was rediscovering myself. And rediscovering, and if, if, if I've gone through this, you know, other people have gone this through, through through that transition. So it is a journey, and so many people that read the book are telling me, I just got a call this morning, as a matter of fact, from a gentleman that had picked up, had picked up Shoot for the Moon, and he said, I've decided that I'm not going to rush through this book. He said, because you're making me work, and you're making me think, and I don't want to rush through this. <laughs> so I said... I hope that I hope that's a good thing. You know, I hope that that's a good. He says it is, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to go slowly through this book, and and that's a comment that I've received from a lot of my readers, is that they want to, you know, and he was, you know, putting a stake in the ground and proclaiming, hey, I'm just letting you know, hope I'm not going to hammer through this book, so don't ask me if I oh I like the book because I'm going to move through it a little bit slower, more slowly, and I did put, um, you know, so and I did put note sections at the end of each chapter to make sure that my readers had a chance to take, you know, to, to you know, take their own uh, inventory, if you will, or, you know, to, you know, be a little bit self-reflective in their, in their own life. Is it a book of exercises? So is it separated? I'm just curious. Is it separated by your readers doing exercises and then going back to it? And how to, how is it um, organized? It's organized with, you know, with, as I said, the notes section at the end of each chapter, I have a signpost at the end of each chapter um, asking pertinent questions. So it's not an exercise, but it is, I, I am asking questions. How does this reflect in, in your life? Are there actions that you could be taking to, to move in the direction of, of your goals or dreams and, and those types of things? And so it gives them an opportunity to, to take a moment and take some notes. And, and, and it's something that I really wanted to be a, a reference book. And what I say in the beginning of the book is, you know, which is very important, is that is, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come up for you. And you're going to be inspired to do a lot of things. And it's important that you take one thing at a time and accomplish that or master that or, you know, redirect that. Because if you, if you try to do it all at one time, you're going to get frustrated, going to drop off, and the book will end up on a pile, you know, gathering dust. And, you know, because it's just our nature, we'll, we'll see it as just too overwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of leave it as a reference book and say, okay, just take one thing at a time. 
and and approach that, and then go back to the book and say, okay, yeah, this was another thing that was on my list that I wanted to I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to clear up for myself or whatever those things are. I like that. So it's a long letter to yourself, and I'm going to ask you. So when you were writing it, and when you were completed. Mm-hmm. You just finished it. How did that feel? You know, it was uh, very cathartic, the whole process. And then there were times that I had all kinds of things coming up for me. And there were times in the midst of my writing it that I would literally break down in tears and keep writing. (laughs) And finishing it, it was, um, I realized just how vulnerable I was putting myself out there for. You know, just when you're writing a book, especially something like Shoots to the Moon, you have to share with your readers and you have to be authentic. And in doing that, you're leaving yourself extremely exposed. So when I had finished the book, I was, there was apprehension. There was like, oh my goodness, you know, what am mm-hmm. I going to do with this? And, and I had sent it out to my reviewers and asked them to review it. And I, you know, for about a week, I was, you know, sitting on pensive needles and, and, you know, a lot of self-doubt. Oh, you know, they're not going to like it. It's not going to be any good. And, and all of a sudden, I started getting the reviews coming back to me. And I'll never forget how deeply it touched me that mm-hmm. the reviews were coming back so positively. And and their words were, were just so impactful for me that um, that that I said, okay, this this is the right path. This is this is this is what I was meant to do. It was your affirmation. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you know, it's it's just what's so um, challenging about it is 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 that you have to put yourself out there. You have to right. show up. You have to, you know, you have to step off. You, and and that's what takes the most courage because when you're writing, it's a very lonely game. It's just you and your writing. And, you know, so you, you want to make sure that you're sticking to the truth and you want to make sure that you're not deviating. And, and every time you try to cover it up, you need to stop yourself and say, they're not going, they're not going to get any value if you don't tell them the truth, if you don't, you know, put yourself out there. And um, so, so I did. I did in a very big way. And it's successful. And that's, that's so great. And in your past and, you know, growing up and such, and you're such a dynamic and articulate and successful woman, who was your inspiration growing up? Oh, golly. Um, you know, my father was my first inspiration. Um, my father was, you know, limited education, and he was just all about you can do anything you want. And he was, uh, he worked for McDonnell Douglas. He started on the, the assembly line. He ended his career at McDonnell Douglas as, you know, in management. And uh, his words were always, do the very best job that you can do and forget about all the rest. So when I was in the corporate environment, that served me so well for so many years because you get caught up in corporate politics. You get caught Mm -hmm. up in all of, you know, the the, the comparisons and are you doing well enough and are you exceeding this? And and, um, I just, it just kept bringing me back to my father Mm -hmm. and saying, just do the very best job that you can do and forget about all the rest because the rest will take care of itself. Well, he was a great inspiration for you. And and women and children, you know, young women need a lot of uh, guidance, whether it come from a parent or a teacher or whomever. And it sounds like it was your dad. Uh, And you mentioned this, and I'm kind of interested in people who choose a, a safe career path. A lot of mm-hmm. women do. And now that you're kind of over that and gotten through that, what would you advise the younger generation, the millennials or even younger than that, the women in particular? Yes, you, you, know, you know, I love millennials because they, they seem to have a sense of fearlessness and nonconformity that I didn't have. 
So mm-hmm. I had to go through the conformity path to find out that I was a nonconformist to get okay with that. And, um, and, and the advice that I would give them is, is, is that you're absolutely on the right path. Um, that you're at, you know, that you do know what you want to do and, and to, you know, to really truly stand up and be seen. I think that's mm-hmm. the one important thing that I want to say is truly stand up and be seen and um, be, be seen, you know, show up in every way that you possibly can and don't, don't let anybody tell you that you're too much or um, that, you know, you need to tone it down or you need to conform or that you're not going to get through life if you keep, you know, uh, showing up and speaking your mind because it's just so important. And so many of the people, women and uh, men that I managed were millennials. And Mm. so I got to know their thinking so well. And they, they are absolutely fearless. I mean, you just, you know, just say, you know, let's get out of our comfort zone and let's go and do this. And they go do it. They just go do it. It's just, it's amazing. You know, I didn't have to talk them into it. And they, they start to really get to see themselves in a way much younger than, than a lot of us have been able to. And do you think with the millennials and the children that we're raising now that they should diversify and do, like you've done several different things. And mm-hmm. should, they, should we be promoting that to our children now? Yeah, absolutely try different things. I mean, I have to tell you that, you know, working in a corporate environment for as long as I did, I, I learned a great deal. I learned a great deal about myself. I learned a great deal about business. I learned a great deal about the art of negotiation. I learned a tremendous amount, and I had amazing mentors in in my career that took me under their wings. And, you know, and it, you know, it's just now that in this time in my life, I'm shifting into an entrepreneurial environment. But, you know, the, the corporate environment was something that I really enjoyed doing. And the very first job that I got is that in the financial industry, I went to work for a holding company and I didn't even want to go to work for them. And mm-hmm. the, the president of the company had to talk me into it. And when he did, you know, I ended up, that was my career for the next 30 years. So, you know, because I found, I found something, you know, that I enjoyed doing that the research and then to go, you know, just all of what he taught me. And there was so much to learn. There was so much to learn. So absolutely diversify and engage and and give it a real try because you might find that, that that's your career. Right. And you mentioned mentors. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. really interested in that, whether they're just mm-hmm. put in your path or whether you seek them out. What do you think? They're put in your path. I truly believe that they put, you know, but you have to show up, but they're put in your path. Um, when I went into the financial industry, there was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Marks, and he, he was the president of the holding company, and he taught me so much. And, you know, he, um, I remember going into the office and, and crying because the other girls wouldn't talk to me. And they wouldn't have lunch with me. And I was pretty young. I was, you know, early 20s. And he kept saying, you don't want, you don't want them to accept you. He says, you know, you're, you're, you're on a different path. And he kept reminding me of, of where I was going and, and telling me not to pay attention to that. So, again, my father's saying don't pay attention to it. Mr. Mark mm-hmm. is telling me not to pay attention to it. And, and to really, you know, kind of shine a light for me as to where I was really going. So you had two great mentors, your dad and, and that mm. gentleman, too. Did, yes. So I would imagine that what you're doing now, you're, you know, you can expect to be one of those or two of those or whomever, you know, those millennials mentors. And that should make you feel really Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when I, when I, uh, you go through a lot of uh, panel interviews when you're in a corporate environment for senior management positions and they ask you, 
you know, why why do you want to be in management? And my answer is the same, was the same every time, and that is that I want to give back. That I had the fortune, the good fortune of having some amazing mentors who took me under their wing, and it's my turn to give back. And through mm-hmm. signature strategies and everything that I'm doing now, it's the same thing. It's it's giving back. That seems to be a theme I'm learning as well, is is to give back, and then you're going to gain, you know, tenfold. Mm-hmm. So what's mm-hmm. next for you, Hope? Um, books, events? What what are you doing now? Yeah, yeah. I'm launching signature sales strategies uh, mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs because in the in the last two years that I've been in the entrepreneurial environment, I've learned. You know, I've learned a great deal from those that have gone before. And one of the things that I've learned is that entrepreneurs, while they may be very, very good and um, and accomplished and knowledgeable in their particular field, they don't quite know how to sell it. And they seem to push back on, on the sales aspect of it. So what I'm delivering with Signature Strategies for Entrepreneurs is the clients of Signature Strategies grow world-class businesses, winning more clients and taking their business to a new level never thought possible. I'm doing this through using sales-style assessments and workshop intensives, overcoming fear, eliminating the roadblocks that make sales a struggle, and discovering their own unique strengths and implementing a strategic growth plan designed to fit their business, and their own powerful sales style. That's great. So I'm coming out with that. My first event is scheduled for April 8th, and that's for entrepreneurs only. Um, And I'm going to be having it at the Mission Viejo Country Club here in Orange County. And I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to be just an amazing, amazing event. Why don't you repeat that? So April 8th. April 8th at the Mission Viejo Country Club. And it's going to be signature sales strategies. Um, they can go to my website. I don't have the the event website open, but they can certainly go in there, contact me, and tell me they're interested. So I make sure that they get on the mailing list as soon as the event is is open in the site. And how do the listeners get in touch with you? What is your website? My website is www.hopesaintamont.com. So that's H-O-P-E, S is in Sam, T is in Tom, A is in Apple. M is in Mary, A is in Apple, N is in Nancy, T is in Tom. dot com. And if they go in, I've got a free a free uh, signature sales strategies ebook strat- uh, download in there. And they also, if they go into the Shoot for the Moon uh, page, they can get the first two chapters and all of my quotes. Um, all of my inspirational quotes uh, as a free download as well. Well, thank you, Hope. You've been such an inspiration. I met you in person, as I said, at the NABO meeting, and it was great that we got to connect again. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me. Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. 
at breastcancer.org. You can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. You've been listening to the Tal Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice.